0: Welcome to the Crowd Church podcast. We are an online church and you are listening to the service that we also live stream on YouTube and Facebook. For more information about CrowdChurch, please visit our website at www.crowd.church. Well, good evening now welcome to crowd church my name is matt edmondson uh, and beside me is uh, a, a beautiful man called tony odin who has been a friend of mine since noah was around uh we um i think we founded liverpool university didn't we Tony?
1: <laughs> it's been a long time anyway <laughs> yeah,
0: it's been a very long time uh so welcome to crowd church first time tony has hosted uh crowd with us so Uh, It's not the first time you've appeared on Crowd, but it is the first time you have hosted Crowd. So are you feeling nervous, bud?
1: No, I've been looking forward to this. It's great to be able to talk a bit about race and racism, isn't
0: it? Yeah, yeah, we're going to get into all that. We pick a nice light topic uh, and thought, well, why not, right? So, um, but it's a needed conversation, a needful conversation. So today we are looking at what does the Bible say about racism? We are getting into all of that today. We've got it all coming up. If this is your first time with us, warm welcome to you. Uh, We are an online church for those who might not see the point of church. We just look for the answers of how to live a meaningful life, which is simply found in Jesus. Uh, And we're going to get into all of that today around the topic of race and racism. Um, And yeah, we're going to be live streaming for about an hour. Uh, We aim to sort of finish around 7pm UK time, it's 6pm at the moment, so it's going to last about 45 minutes to an hour, somewhere around there. I always say that, Tony, it's going to last about 45 minutes to an hour, and it's always an hour.
1: (laughs) (laughs) That's all. yeah you just know that's how church is right yeah
0: <laughs> yeah yeah i don't know if we've ever done it in 45 minutes that's uh, i need to change that um that little countdown timer intro there where it says 45 minutes to an hour so welcome to you if you are with us if you're new if you've been around for a while say hi in the comments let us know you're watching uh, it'd be great to hear from you i see we've got nicola uh, in the comments we've got matt uh, who else we got? Sharon's in the comments. John is moderating the comments tonight again on Facebook and YouTube. So say hi to John. Be kind to John. It'd be great to uh, be great to do that, won't it? Just be nice to him. Just be nice. Um, so yeah, Tone. We have got this whole conversation about racism today. Um, and just explain to the good folks who are watching this kind of who you are, bit about you know, bit about your background, why you're here. You've got about thirty seconds. Go
1: okay so i am tony uddin i am half uh, bangladeshi half scottish uh what a mix <laughs> i grew up on a large south london council estate uh and today i passed the tower hamlets community church in east london uh and i just love what i do spend a lot of my time helping people think through issues around mission really passionate about intercultural church uh, Love to watch Liverpool play football when I get the opportunity. (laughs) And uh, I'm actually
0: much older than I look. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. You're looking pretty old. I'm not going (laughs) to lie. but (laughs) Actually, no. And uh, yeah, Tony and I met, like I said, at uni. We've been friends for 30 years. Uh, Tony was best man at my wedding. Uh, I was best man at his wedding. So we go back a long time. So when we were thinking about what does the Bible say about racism, I thought Tony would be great to do this conversation. So uh, we're going to get into the talk. We're going to play the talk intro. There's a scripture reading. Tony's going to do a talk which he recorded last week uh Tony. Um so if you're watching, it's not like he just suddenly changes clothes and location. <laughs> it's a pre-recorded talk.
1: I'm like Superman, right? I just this <laughs> one Yeah, yeah, that's
0: how uh, it goes. Dun, dun, uh. uh so we're gonna do that talk. Uh and then we'll have a brief time of what we call worship and reflection. I'll explain a bit about that uh in about 25 minutes or so. Then we're gonna get into Conversation Street. So Tony and I are going to be back. We're gonna talk Um, through some of the things he mentions in his talk on racism we're going to go through your questions we've got questions which have come in already as we go through it uh, as we go through this conversation please feel free to write any questions that you have in the comments Uh, and if we can and if they're appropriate we'll obviously get to them in conversation street so that's what's coming up so without further ado here's my very good friend tony talking about racism that at that time, you were separated from Christ, excluded from citizenship in Israel and foreigners to the covenants of the promise, without hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ, for he himself is our peace who has made the two groups one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility, by setting aside in his flesh the law with its commands and its regulations. His purpose was to create in himself one new humanity out of the two, thus making peace, and in one body to reconcile both of them to God through the cross. Build on the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. In him, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him, you too are being built together and becoming a dwelling place in which God lives by his
2: spirit.
1: Good afternoon, it's great to be able to talk with you today and I want us to be talking today about racism. As you all have heard from the uh, passage of the Bible that's been read, I believe the Bible has a lot to say about racism but also about how people can work together, how in Jesus people of different cultures can be brought together. Jesus is the one that reconciles us and the church ought to be a place where racism shouldn't really exist but unfortunately sadly it does in too many places ten thirty on Sunday morning as people gather for church can be one of the most segregated times of the week and that really troubles my heart But also the Church of Jesus can be an incredible place where people from different races and cultures, different backgrounds, different life experiences come together and share life together as part of a vibrant and intercultural community. I think about my experiences of traveling in places that have experienced significant racism and been marred by it and experiences of being in Balkan countries and seeing churches building reconciliation across ethnic lines where no one else is. It's important that we do talk about racism. I don't know whether hearing a sermon on it, what that makes you think about, as we approach the topic. For some of us, it may fill us with dread. For others of us, we might think, great, finally, someone in church is gonna talk about it. But we have to, because it's such an important thing and it affects so much of the world in which we live. You know, if you say, oh, I don't really see race, well, That's a really privileged position to be in, but the reality for most of us is that race and racism has played a huge part in our experience of life. It's a big issue, particularly for us here in the UK, because in one sense, we're a very diverse culture, a very diverse society. We've got people from all kinds of backgrounds, very uh, different ethnicities. Where I'm from in Tower Hamlets in East London, it's incredibly racially diverse. And yet, and it's often celebrated for that, and yet somehow, actually, that just skims the surface of it. Because the reality is, those communities are often just existing side by side without any real interaction. And so sometimes our idea of how do we deal with racism, can't we all just get on? actually just resorts down to people living separated lives. And I believe the Bible presents a compelling, a beautiful, a life-changing picture of the fact that the church can be a place where people come together and share life and life in all of its fullness. The reality is, for most of us, we see elements of racism in so so many different aspects of our lives. Maybe not the uh, overt racism of the Ku Klux Klan, but the subtle kind of racism, the kind of uh, internalized prejudice or decision making that doesn't really wear the tag racist, but actually is often coming from that kind of place. I believe as a church leader, my heart is to grow vibrant intercultural church where people really cross barriers. I guess part of this, I want to be open. I, I'm, a, I'm, I'm passionate about racism because of my background. I'm half Bangladeshi, half Scottish, 100% English. And uh, racism has played a part in my life. So whoever you are, I think the Bible has some relevant things to say In this passage that was read out earlier from Ephesians, we see the way in which Jesus not only reconciles us to God, he doesn't just break the dividing wall between us and God, but actually he breaks the dividing wall between different races, between different ethnicities. The idea is that Jesus creates one new creation, humanity, in Jesus The dividing wall between man and God is broken, but also between different races as well. There's a a really interesting example of racism in the uh, Old Testament in Numbers chapter 12. And uh, we read there that it says there, that Miriam and Aaron spoke against Moses because of the Cushite woman whom he had married. For he had married a Cushite woman. And they said, has the Lord indeed spoken only through Moses? Has he not spoken through us as well? And the Lord heard it. Now the man Moses was very humble, more than any man who was on the face of the earth. So the anger of the Lord burned against them and he departed. But when the cloud had withdrawn from the tent, behold, Miriam was leprous, as white as snow. It's really interesting there. It seems like Moses, a lot of the difficulty that he was facing in the criticism was on account of his wife, who was Cushite. That meant it's highly, highly likely that she was black. And in fact, Cushite people were famed for their dark skin. And it seems like somewhere along the line, what is driving these people's criticism of Moses isn't just his decisions as a leader, but actually, it's the fact that he was married to a black woman. Really interestingly, God judges their actions. And part of it is that this one woman who criticised actually becomes super white in leprosy. And what's with a skin disease and what's interesting about that is almost like God is saying, if that's how you want to play it we see examples of racism in the bible and we see that God is a God who confronts it in Ephesians chapter 2 as we uh, as was read earlier we see that God in Jesus deals with what divides people from one another verse 13 says but now In Christ Jesus, you who were once far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who has made the two groups one and who has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility. What that's speaking about is the difference that was between uh, Jews and Gentiles, Jews and non-Jews. And we see that Jesus tackles that sense of division. In the Old Testament, in the temple, we see that people were divided from one another. The Holy of Holies was curtained off and the priests could only go once a year. We see in the outer courts and the courts of the priests, people are di- priests divided from people, men divided from women. The court of the Gentiles kept the, the Gentiles from the Jews. People divided And it says there, by setting aside in his flesh the law with its commands and regulations, his purpose. And this is the real key point, was to create in himself one new humanity out of the two, thus making peace. In other words, Jesus breaks through his own sacrifice, through dying on a cross, Jesus breaks what divides people from each other, one new creation, humanity. And I believe that ultimately, how do we deal with racism? We realize that each of us have tendencies towards it. Racism isn't just a problem for one race. There's something about human nature that's inherently selfish and inherently causes us to think more about ourselves than we should and less of others. Than we should. And it's part of that dehumanizing kind of way we are that actually is what is at the heart of racism. And Jesus, once and for all, on the cross, defeats it. Why? Because as we are made new, as in Jesus, God forgives our sin and makes us new from the inside out, not perfect, but forgiven, he deals with the problem of our sin, which divides us from God, but also makes it possible to deal with our sin, which divides us from each other. Those who were far off have been brought near. That means for me, as somebody who's not a, uh, not a Jew by background, actually, one of the amazing things about the cross is that I am included in God's blessing that he had previously it was previously only on his people, the Jews. When we think of others, do we think of ourselves more highly than we should? Do we think of others lesser than we should? Do we think of the world in terms of me and my people and other people? Jesus breaks the dividing wall. In Jesus, we have the prototype of all reconciliation, but it's only ultimately through Jesus. And I believe that on the back of that, the church is a visible sign. It declares the wisdom of God, that God can take people who wouldn't even sit around the table. If you imagine the, the, uh, the, the divided culture that the New Testament was written into where Jews and Gentiles wouldn't eat at the same table. They wouldn't go to one another's houses. And in the midst of that, God calls a people from both of those cultures. God calls Jew and Gentile together. The truth of the New Testament is that God called slaves and free people together, saying that the, in Christ they are one, another dividing wall broken God calls men and women together, old and young, rich and poor. God is the one who breaks walls that divide. And the church of Jesus ought to be a visible sign. In 2 Corinthians 5 verse 17 we read, If anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old things have passed and all things have come new. All of these things are from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. So that means that as Christians, we don't get to live divided lives. We don't get to build segregated communities. We shouldn't have any form or any part in racism. We shouldn't be spending our lives uh, erecting walls which keep people apart. Actually, our job as Christians is to be ministers of reconciliation. That means that because we've been uh, made acceptable to God through what Jesus has done, because we've been brought back to him, because the dividing wall between us and God is broken, God wants to break down dividing walls between us as people. And that's part of the church's job, to say that we have been made We have been given the possibility to be agents of change. In verse 16 of that passage, we recognize no one then according to the flesh. In other words, we are not judging by the outward appearances. I love in our local church, there's just the rich mix of cultures, of backgrounds, young and old, rich and poor, different nationalities, different ethnicities, uh, different social classes. And it forces me to confront the prejudice of my own heart because the reality is each of us has prejudice. And I want to say that whoever you are, I just want to ask you, what are the prejudices in your lives? What are the things that keep you divided from others? What are the things that cause you to think too much of yourself, your own culture, your own race, and to think lesser of other cultures, lesser of other races, to see them as inferior, because the gospel, the good news of Jesus, confronts that. Let's not pretend that racism is something others have to deal with. And as Christians, we should be at the forefront of racial reconciliation. That means owning, accepting, confessing our sin where we've done wrong. It means that we don't just look at racism as the problem of somebody else, but we recognize where there are elements of thinking like that in our lives. We ask for God's forgiveness. We seek to change and we seek forgiveness from others. In your life, I want to say that the work of God is that He brings change. He can change the things about us that actually are what generates racism and prejudice in our life, and I think that's really, really important because our culture and our world window dresses. We want to deal with the symptoms of racism. We want to deal. We want to have an equal, equal society, and that's brilliant. But unless we drill down to the causes, which is the human heart, we'll never change it. We'll never change problems of racism by just barking at others to change. I think it's beholden on each of us to say, yes, we want to affect structural change. Yes, we want an equal society. Yes, social campaigning is important, but also each of us are gonna be brave enough to look into our own hearts and see where there is darkness. So how can we work some of this out practically? Well, firstly, I think on a very, very basic way, we can choose to be and spend time with people who are different to ourselves. In our church, we have a culture where we specifically ask of our leaders that they be people who are intentionally building friendships and sharing life with people of different cultures. I think there's something dehumanising about a church in a multicultural area like London or Liverpool if people are living monocultural lives. And the way we begin to address some of that change is we intentionally share life with people who are different. We intentionally build friendships. We intentionally invite. We intentionally get to know. We want to Uh, really be people who are proactive in living the change we want to see. It means that we choose not to judge people based on their race or ethnicity. And that means even in the subtle things. And sometimes it is subtle. You know, for some of us, if we saw a black person in scrubs in a hospital, We'd assume that they're an orderly or a nurse rather than the surgeon. That's a form of racism right there. Or we would assume that people act in a certain way because of our prejudices which exist. And what we have to do is we have to choose as far as is possible not to judge people or to predict their actions based on their race or ethnicity. As a church, it means we pursue what unites us and what, not what divides us. It means that if there are things that we do that we know make it difficult for other people of other cultures to share life with us, then we try to address those issues. In the Bible, in, in Romans, there's this principle of pursuing what makes for building up one another. And Paul says, basically, if what you eat or drink or how you view uh, what days are special is causing others to stumble, then actually back off it because you don't want to be responsible for causing division. And in a very real sense, if we're building intentionally as an intercultural community, that means we are prepared to look at what are my behaviors that cause issues? And then lastly, we choose not to assume that we are better than others or that our way is right. On the live stream, we're gonna just be able to unpack some of this and go through and, and really talk this stuff through and it's so important that we do because actually, I think that that inward work of looking at what are my assumptions, what are my prejudices, What are the things and attitudes and actions that pervade my life? That's the things we want to talk about because I think if we look to live and be change in our own lives, then I think we start to see change. Ephesians to close in Ephesians 2 talks about inhumanity, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. The good news of Jesus confronts our selfishness and the good news of Jesus challenges that selfishness and challenges us to a life, in one sense, of self-denial that sees others as better than ourselves and looks to live and esteem others. So I want to challenge you. What would God put his finger on in your life? I look forward to chatting with some of you in just a moment. God bless you.
0: Wow, thanks, Tone. I, I don't know what you thought about that talk. I mean, it's a vital conversation, isn't it? This whole conversation about racism. And so I really appreciate Tony doing that talk. Tony and I will be back in a few minutes time to carry on the conversation about racism. So if you've been watching uh, his talk and have questions, write them in the comments if you have your own thoughts. Uh, that you want to share, write them in the comments. We would love to hear them. Uh, and like I say, Tony and I will talk about those in just a few minutes. But before we do, we're going to have a time of worship and reflection. So, basically, what that means is I'm going to play uh, a worship song which John Farrington has recorded for us. It's called Reckless Love. Uh, and it just carries on talking about the things that Tony mentioned about how, how Christ has reconciled things in himself and how it was all motivated by love. Uh, and actually, It's a really good point, isn't it, in terms of what motivates us as people? Is it love or is it selfishness? Uh, And love is never at the root of racism. It just isn't. So this is uh, called Reckless Love. If you've not been to church before, if you're not used to singing along with worship songs, just read the words, let them minister to you. Just think about them uh, and think about what Tony said. Uh, But if you can, if it's safe to do so, join along with the worship and then Tony and I will be here in just a few minutes.
3: have been so, so kind to me Oh, the overwhelming Never-ending Reckless love of God Oh, it chases me down Fights till I'm found Leaves the 99 I couldn't earn it I don't deserve it, still you give yourself away Oh, the overwhelming, never-ending, reckless love of God You foe, still your love fought for me, you have been so, so good to me, when I felt no worth, you paid it all for me. Been so so kind to me oh the overwhelming never-ending reckless love of god oh it chases me down fights till i'm found leaves the 99 i could Shadow you won't light up, mountain you won't climb up, coming after me. The snow wall you won't kick down, lie you won't tear down, coming after me, you're the We so- <laughs>
0: Welcome back to uh, uh, Tony. Uh, We're in Conversation Street now, Tony, and uh, following our little worship sesh there. Uh, And we are going to get into all your questions and comments about racing. So if you have any and you're on the live stream, do write them in the comments. We will try and get to them. I've got a whole bunch of questions, which we've already got in. And... I've got a whole bunch of questions myself. So uh, I think, um, Tone. first, thanks for putting that talk together. Uh, I kind of get the feeling that this is not the first time you've talked about racism. Would that be correct?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think it's something we probably haven't talked as much as we should do about this in churches generally. I think, you know, a couple of years ago when the Black Lives Matter thing came to the again that 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 the the moment after george floyd and uh it provokes some discussions that were long overdue Mm. and um but in places they were they were just a a response in the moment and then back to radio silence and yeah it's kind of disappointing
0: yeah yeah it's interesting and i think why well let me ask you a question why do you think radio silence is the default why do we why do we talk about it for a bit and then just sort of go quiet again
1: I think cuz sometimes we're not sure what to say yeah or, or we're afraid of saying the wrong thing um, Yeah. it's i mean you know in our day and age you can get into a lot of trouble really quickly by <laughs> saying the wrong thing yeah, and know. i think a lot of people are genuinely frightened mm. um I think sometimes as well we don't know how to have a conversation with integrity. Um, I think we we've lost some of the ability to disagree well or talk about difficult things. But I think sometimes if we're aware that our structures don't reflect maybe a good uh, a good sense of of diversity in terms of race then we start that that conversation. People will say well what do your structures look like? Mm. And so I think it's sometimes people just really, they don't know where to start. Um, And yeah. And then other times we don't want to offend somebody
2: Mm. Um,
1: or we realize that our structures have been built in wrong places. And to begin to unpick that is going to be painful, Mm -hmm. Um, you know? So yeah, I think it, I think it's a, it's a hard place to start sometimes.
0: Yeah, no, and I, I can empathize with that because I like, like, you know, I, I, if you're listening to the podcast and you can't see me, I would classify myself as white. I am a white uh, man. And so I've, I think you're right. I think we've not talked about it enough. And I think the thing that I found over the last few years is that a lot of the conversations have, have been quite challenging. Some of them um, have been have been quite harsh from 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 everybody uh, and the thing that i liked about your talk in in everything that you're talking about is actually when you bring it back to the gospel when you bring it back to jesus which is something i feel very comfortable talking about you really would yeah yeah um that there's no there's none of this to be found in jesus this whole idea of no division about being one um, which you you brought it back to so I, I get that it's a hard conversation to have but i also get that it's a needed conversation to have mm. um you mentioned actually before we were on air a book called uh, let's talk was it called let's talk about we, race we, we need
1: to talk about race by ben Lindsay. it's a great place to start and and what's good about it is its context is the the uk church mm. um and and it, it's a it's a really helpful reflection on um on experiences of black people in church it's it's mm. a great place to start I'd recommend it
0: yeah yeah no that's great and there's another book out called God is not a white man uh, by mm. Chinny McDonald and I know Chinny if you're a regular to the to, to crowd you'll know that um part of you know, the church we're connected to is called frontline i know she is coming to frontline soon um so i'm looking forward to that as well so she wrote that book okay. god is not a white man which actually is quite an arresting title for a book when you do you know what I mean it's like oh it kind of jars you in the face and you kind of go well actually that's quite good because god is not white and uh, god is not a man and and so um the irony being of course jesus was definitely not white i mean he the, the guy operated in the middle east right so yeah
1: and i, I think even just that assumption that we we are default in in the west our expectations our assumptions on on jesus on on who god is has come from a place that's profoundly unhelpful mm. and um And and you just, you know, you say something like that and, you know, some people will really react to it as Mm. if you're saying something heretical. Yeah. And um, I think that shows how entrenched our wrong thinking can be.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I think you're right. I think you're right. But I think it's a fascinating one, an absolute fascinating one. You mentioned this phrase at the start um, that your passion is for an intercultural church. Just explain what you mean by this phrase intercultural.
1: Yeah, and, and that's, a, that's a really a really useful distinction. So I think we live in a world that values diversity. It wants mm. diversity, and it doesn't know how to how to do it. So it's a great goal. Uh, it's a great aspiration, but actually, what we often s- settle for is a form of multiculturalism. Um, and, and again, people mean different things by those terms. But the, the way it works out is essentially people living alongside each other, but very separate lives. So you have yeah. different communities. So where I am in East London, we have the Bengali community, Somali community, uh, working class white East End community, the Canary Wharf type city type people, and an yeah. artist type community. And there's really little overlap meaningfully between those 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 communities. And it's sad because mm. it just says, oh my, I'm going to have a really low expectation that it's separate development and we'll try not to quarrel. And then we yeah. celebrate that as diversity. And when we talk about an intercultural church, we're talking about a church where actually we are respectful of, we're learning, we're in dialogue from one another and we're growing together. And that's that goes beyond just tolerating one another it goes Mm. beyond just existing together but actually it says we're going to learn together and it says i don't just want to have a multi-ethnic church where i've got people with different skin tones because if we're honest at times that's what we go for we go to the point where we'll just settle for having different people of different races because we like the optics of it yeah but in an intercultural church actually you can bring your culture to church and I'm not, we're not just wanting people just for their skin tone, but we're actually saying we recognize and see God working out his greatness in different cultures, and we're going to learn from that. We're going to celebrate it. We're going to give people room to not be just from a different culture, but to bring that to church together. Mm. And it, it's so much more of a rich understanding of of what doing life together as 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 communities of differences are Mm. Um, and and that's something i'm passionate about Mm. because i think again in the response to george floyd we there's been a whole thing of just you know wanting our visuals and optics at church to look better but actually unless we're genuinely intercultural unless we're genuine genuinely really valuing people for who they are and their culture, we're just window dressing. And Mm. I think it dishonors God, it dishonors church. I guess one of the big shaping things for me years ago, I sat with a group of pastors in Chicago and Chicago is a really diverse city. And Mm. uh, I sat with a pastor there who said to me thirty Sunday morning, is the most segregated time of the week. He said, we we live in streets that are mixed. We work in offices that are mixed. Sunday, we worship in our own churches. Mm. And I just thought, wow, that shouldn't be, you know? Um, and, and I would say we really do need to, to challenge that kind of way of thinking. And it, it happens in the UK. I'd say the other interesting thing around this is, well, particularly when we're talking about culture and intercultural churches, mm. a lot of these things apply to class as well. And I think in the in the US it's more pointed around race. I think a lot of those things are valid around race here. But I think class is one of those other big distinctions in Britain that that
0: probably also really needs dealing with
1: at the same time.
0: Well, so maybe that's another that's another stream. What does the Bible say about class uh or class? uh
1: i'm appreciating that you finally pronounced that word right. <laughs> it's yes. taken 30 years but it's been it's yeah yeah, been yeah.
0: It. yeah it's the first time and the last time but fortunately we've got it on video um so i get what you're saying actually about the intercultural church and i i understand this sort of multiculturalism has become in effect we 're just going to sort of tolerate one another um we 're not going to say anything bad about them, but we're not really going to get to know you we 're not going to invest time we 're not going to promote you in any way um and church i think has has like you said has been window dressing you know we want people with different skin tones on uh on on there and one of the things that um you you kind of mentioned in there is that actually to talk about racism and we should talk about racism we should be driving for this intercultural church but the place that we have to start is with our own hearts even if we even if we perceive that we're not racist and that's a comment i hear from a lot of people especially white people i'm not racist i have a black friend or i have a you know this friend or whatever and it's kind of like a badge which proves i'm therefore not racist but um but actually that's not what you were getting at was it?
1: No, and and I think we, we have to understand prejudice begins in our own hearts, and I think as soon as we give ourselves a pass, I think we're going to miss the point, and um, and I think it really looking at what are my own assumptions, mm. what are and it's one of the interesting things about being mixed race. Is that you have people make unguarded remarks in different situations (laughs) because they see you as one of them. You know, you're around white people, and they'll make an unguarded racist remark because, hey, you know, we're all together. Or you're around, I'm around uh, Bangladeshi people, and they'll make a an unguarded racist remark. And Mm. and one of the things I think I really see in this is that there is something about each of us. That tends to view ourselves and our culture as right, and um, and I think beginning with with ourselves, and I think from that though, particularly when it comes to addressing stuff in in culture, that means that we as Christians need to challenge structures. So this is not a pass on right; we just get to deal with our own hearts because as Christians, we do need to challenge structures that are wrong. Because if we believe essentially that all of us have got uh, a brokenness around race in our life and we've got wrong wrong things in our heart, then we're going to build structures both in society, in the workplace, in families, but also in the church that are wrong and that have elements of racism in. And I think it's really important that in church we're at the forefront Of challenging wrong structures within the church but also in society so again you know seeing sometimes you know two years ago when suddenly people wanted to talk more about race like I you know I heard a lot of pastors and Christian leaders speaking out about racism I was really pleased to hear that but I know that some of those same networks and leaders don't have any non-white people in leadership
2: Mm. And
1: I think part of that is, yes, challenge the structure, but actually own the behavior and say, and we have done the same. Mm. Um, Because otherwise, it's just it's just grandstanding. Yeah. Um, And so I would want to say we need to be in the place of challenging structures and challenging our own hearts. Mm. And, And that's difficult
0: yeah so how would you how how would we go about doing it i mean uh, how do you do it how should i go about challenging the prejudice in my own heart Uh, especially if i'm if i guess at a surface level i kind of feel like i'm not prejudiced do you know what i mean and uh, how do i i guess how do i look at that at a deeper level would be a question well i
1: think some of the times it is the assumptions it's the assumptions we make it's the um You know, when we look at a situation and we prejudge someone's motives, and we do, Mm. and, you know, one of my good friends, James, will say that if he walks home, he's a a black guy, if he walks home at night and people will just walk towards the other side of the road sometimes when they see him because they make assumptions about what he looks like and what Mm. the fact that he might mug them or whatever, just because he's a really well-built black guy. Mm. Like at that point, if we find ourselves thinking those kind of things, actually, we do need to challenge that in our oh. hearts. We do need to recognize, hey, that's a sign of prejudice, or we just expect uh, a lower standard of behavior from a different cultural group. Mm. Um, and, and I think it, 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 that is part of that process. But I think also it's realizing in the things that we are responsible for, are we we creating space and genuinely valuing people of different backgrounds? So in our our church, if ever we're uh, appraising someone for a leadership role, we won't give responsibility to anyone that we don't actively see making an effort to build life and relationships with people who are different to them. Mm -hmm. So not just a passive sense of uh i'm not going to tell a racist joke but actually a a positive sense of valuing others and living out that value and if if we don't see that in someone's life we don't want them to be a leader in our church um and that's you know but i think that's how you change structures and you change situations by actually being serious about this stuff
0: yeah that's a really interesting point. I mean, Sharon's put here in the comments. How does your church service express being intercultural? And I guess mm-hmm. from a leadership point of view, what you're—if I'm hearing it—it's it's not just a case of the lack of the racist jokes on Twitter or whatever you know social media platform that you're looking at. It's actually the the desire to become, to understand and to get to know another culture, another, uh rather than just going well. Because I think a lot of white people do this. They go, "I've not made any." any bad remarks i've I've got a black friend but it's kind of like therefore i'm not racist but actually there's a prejudice there maybe which stops them going and forming relationship and investing time in uh, a different culture is am i hearing that right
1: yeah yeah And, and i think it's like so one of the things that we would do at church is that we want to make sure that our services reflect the local community we want to make sure our leadership team looks like the local community so Uh, That means we're intentional around leadership development. It means that if you come into, if you come to our service today, you would see our service was hosted by a Bangladeshi woman from a Muslim background. Mm. And she hosts brilliantly. But actually, she stumbles over her words sometimes or mispronounces. But we realize that there is something that she brings Mm. in how she hosts she brings some of her cult she brings something else in and the fact is loads of churches just wouldn't make room for someone like that
2: mm.
1: and and there they would be a lot poorer for it mm. so i think it, there's a thing about intentional leadership development but i guess if i if you don't mind me being a little bit controversial
0: i'm what surprised I, it's taking you this long bro <laughs> what
1: what, what, I, what i would say right is people talk about wanting to lead an intercultural church. I don't think you can lead a, an intercultural li- church unless you live an intercultural life. Mm. So one of the things if if you hear someone talk about wanting to lead an intercultural church or whatever, is just look at that person in their special times, look at their their social media feeds or whatever, the special times in their life, the important things, does everybody around them look just like them? Mm. Because if it does, I'd challenge the, their ability to actually lead that kind of change. Mm. Again, that's not always obvious because sometimes that might be, the context may be actually about the need to build with different social classes and things like that. But if we surround ourselves and in our inner world, particularly as leaders, with people who are just like us, then I don't think we'll ever grow something that's genuinely intercultural um and and i think that's worth just flagging up because Mm. again and that's something you know maybe all of us could do Mm. you know think about our own private world you know how what does that look like do we see people that are different to us Mm. because i'm you know i think far too many christians are kind of a bit narcissistic and that means that we we think that we want to surround ourselves with people who are like us. Yeah, um, and so I, I think that really is a good place to to think about how do we actually challenge that, and we and see that the Bible presents a really proactive picture of this. You know, right from close to the start of the New Testament church, we see that at Antioch in the Book of Acts, then Jewish background believers begin to share the good news of Jesus with people who weren't jewish Mm. and what we see is it becomes the hinge of history the church swings from being based uh, largely in jerusalem to antioch from being gathered to sent and missionary from Mm. being largely jewish to multi-ethnic and you can see that because pretty soon in 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 acts we read the, the list of the names of the leaders of that church and we can tell from that there were people from different cultures Already leading, you know, uh, Paul in Colossians really makes the point um, uh, uh, about the whole thing of, of being neither Jew nor Greek. We see uh, Jew nor Gentile. We see that we see yeah. this shift into the New Testament in in Corinthians, in Colossians, in Galatians. So much of the New Testament church, the letters are written to a, a, a degree of conflict that comes from people of different races and backgrounds doing life together. And they needed to write those things because of the fact that people's cultures were being merged. And I think the fact that we don't read those letters that way is often because we're not faced with enough uh, difficulty. We're not faced with enough merging of cultures. So, so I would say, again, another really big principle is the Romans 14 thing, accept one another yeah, and pursue those things which make for the building up of one another. And again, that's brilliant because it says, actually, I'm going to intentionally build with people who are different around what unites us. But it assumes there are people with differences in the same room. Yeah. And, and actually, says, that's always true, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. And also, it assumes, though, that that we give freedom to each other to be different so what we're not talking about is all becoming one mixed culture Mm. and it's a bit like so so Scott McKnight's a really interesting American theologian he's written a book called a fellowship of difference and he talks about the way you eat salads and he (laughs) he says like you can take a salad and you can stick it in a blender and make a smoothie And smoothies ultimately always disappoint, don't they? Because the ingredients might (laughs) be decent, but they taste of kind of this gloopy mess of everything. And you lose the distinctive. Or they he talks about the way the Americans eat a salad, which is cover it in so much blue cheese sauce that you only Mm. taste the blue cheese sauce. And again, it's denying difference. Mm. And then he says, well actually our churches need to be more like fruit salads where you get a hit of mango and then you get a hit of pineapple and then you get some orange and some grapefruit and mm. some kiwi. And, and actually it's all together, but we're not losing the distinctiveness. Yeah. And I think sometimes we think, Hey, you know, bringing people together means just being bland lowest common denominator. And actually the new Testament church wasn't like that. It celebrated difference. Yeah. um and and I think there's that's what there's something compelling about that and that's where the world around us struggles because either it just goes for the really bland form or just separate existence yeah and the bible doesn't leave us, that as an open choice for us so I'd say that's a biggie you know let's
0: yeah that's let's... that's huge and that's actually I like that because um because like you say the there are some good ideas out there and the, and the, and the, but the church has to be the gospel of Christ has to be more than just a good idea. It has to be transformative. And it's, and what you're talking about really can only come from Christ in terms of the transformation. Mm And I, and I, that's good because then it's down on him and his grace and his, his power to work through us to bring uh, this, this to pass, isn't it? And it's exciting. And I like that. I like that analogy. Um, i i like the challenge uh and hmm. yeah i i'm i'm i think you, you I'm, I'm aware of time uh, and i said that we'd finish about seven and it's seven o'clock now and so um i'm just gonna end with this where where you said in your talk let's not pretend that racism is something that others have to deal with um actually that's a really profound statement it's something that we have to Im- Im- invite the Holy Spirit into and make change as a result of, right? So, Tony, thank you so much, my friend. It's been an absolute treat. This is great. It'd be great to come and spend some more time talking about
1: what does challenging racism look like at some point. Oh, yeah, yeah. Now that, you see, now that
2: sounds that's,
1: fun. Yeah, and, and, and maybe just one last thought. You know, for those of us who found ourselves on the receiving end of racism, I believe there's a challenge also not to find our identity in being a victim Mm. and and that's a really complicated conversation but I do just wanted to throw that out that you know racism is wrong it's dehumanizing and I think it's really important that our response to it if we're on the receiving end of it or when we're on the receiving end of it is not to find place in our hearts for a victim mentality It, it can acknowledge the pain of it but actually to find identity in Christ mm. and not particularly as our culture would kind of encourage us right now to find a status in declaring yourself as a victim. And I think yeah. there's a, there's a challenge in there, which that's just a, that's just a thing to throw out, but it's, it's worth saying. Yeah,
0: And it, I think it's super powerful because I, I know what you mean. Uh, not, I, I don't feel like I've suffered racism, you know, but I, there are there are things that there are persecutions for want a better expression that i have suffered and it and i've found in those situations um that i've become angry and bitter and you find identity in Mm -hmm. that that victimhood um have you suffered from racism that's an obvious question
1: yeah Yeah. i mean and, and sometimes it's subtle sometimes it's not i mean i remember the estate i grew up on there was quite a lot of overt racism Mm. But actually, I I think coming to university and being amongst a bunch of middle class people, many of whom weren't really used to being with people from different cultures, I was shocked mm. at at some of it and shocked at the the sniggering or the kind of looking down on other cultures or mm. jokes about curry or you know like that kind mm. of stuff. Mm. Um, yeah and 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 it goes on i mean you know i think we build flawed structures and flawed structures um mean that yeah i mean i encounter racism quite a lot um and i would say actually at times i encounter it in my own heart <laughs> that's mm. that's the disturbing part isn't it mm. that we realize that actually there's something in my heart as well mm. um so i would say i definitely encounter racism and I think at times I find it in my own heart and that's my challenge, um, is yes, to challenge what I see externally, Mm. but to ask God to root out in my own heart where Mm. it is. So, Wow.
0: wow, I feel like we're just scratching the surface here, but, uh, so maybe we do need a part two of this conversation, which I think would be quite fascinating. Um, and we I didn't just, even
1: get into anything about slavery and all that kind of uh, stuff. That's what so. I mean. There's just
0: so much to talk about. And it's um, it is a much, much bigger topic. I think the bottom line is, though, um, that uh, racism cannot coexist with the love of God. It just the two things can't coexist. So if your heart is full of the love of God, racism can't coexist there. And so um, so I think yeah, the gospel makes a difference. And I, if you're watching this and you're new to Christianity, um, or you've been part of a church where this has not actually been the norm, I I can only apologise. Uh, you know, from my point of view, um, because I I love the picture, Tony, that you have painted, and I and I go yes, that's the church that I, I want to be a part of. So. Um, uh, so, yeah. So if you are watching this, you want to connect with Tony. Tony is the pastor of Tower Hamlets Community Church based down in London. If you are in London and you are looking for a church, check out Tony's church. Go and say how's, how's it and, and get involved. Uh, I'm sure he would love to mm-hmm. meet you. Uh, Next, let me just tell you quickly what's coming up next week. Uh, Next week, we are talking about friendship. Nick Harding is here and asking the question, what does the Bible say about friendship? Uh, So we are going to get into that. Make sure you are subscribed to get all the notifications or head on over to the website, which you can see that corner of the screen underneath the little logo, www.crowd.church. Sign up to the emails, get a hold of us via WhatsApp if you want to connect with us that way, as I know many people do with their questions. We would love to connect with you, love to hear from you. And if you are looking for a church, we'd love for you to make crowd your home. Or go to Tower Hamlets Community Church. Why not if you're in London? It'd be worth the trip. And tell Tony I said hi. Uh, but yeah, I no, appreciate you being with us. We are going to close out today's service with one more worship song. The live stream will end at the end of this automatically. Tony and I won't be back. Uh, so from myself, uh, goodbye. Tony, any closing words from you, my friend? Let's just keep these conversations going. Like you throw stuff out.
1: they Some of it will hit home. Some of it might have made you glad. Some of it mad but uh, you know what, keep up those conversations. And I think again, just really key in it, let's be people who ask great questions Mm. and listen well. Mm. Listen, ask somebody uh, their experiences, listen to what around this, listen to what they say without trying to correct them. Mm. Brilliant. And and they yeah. so that's, that's it. But great to be with you guys and look forward to being here again.
0: absolutely indeed alright have a great week guys and gals bless you bye for now bless you
3: what is our hope in life and death Christ alone Christ alone what is our only confidence That our souls to Him belong Who holds our days within His hand What comes apart from His command And what will keep us to the end The love of Christ in which we stand Oh, sing hallelujah our hope springs eternal Oh, sing hallelujah Now and ever we confess Christ our hope in life and death What truth can come the troubled soul? God is good, God is good Where is His grace and goodness known In our great Redeemer's blood Who holds our faith when fears arise Who stands above the stormy trial Who sends the waves that bring us nigh Unto the shore, the rock of Christ. Oh, sing hallelujah! Our hope springs eternal. Oh, sing hallelujah! Now and ever we confess Christ our hope in life and death. the grave what will we sing Christ he lives Christ he lives and what reward will heaven bring everlasting life with him and we will rise to meet the Lord then sin and death will be destroyed and we will feed in endless joy when Christ is ours forevermore, hope, oh, sing hallelujah. Our hope springs eternity. Christ our hope in life and death Now and ever we confess Christ our hope in life and death